Je luistert naar een boodschap van C3 Church Amsterdam en Almere. Wij zijn een kerk van geloof, hoop en liefde. Voor meer informatie over onze kerk kun je terecht op onze website c3amsterdam.nl of c3almere.nl Wij geloven dat deze boodschap jou vandaag zal bemoedigen, inspireren en bekrachtigen. One Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to try and um, keep up with the pace of Peter Jacobs. And uh, uh, I think for both of us, it's a personal message because today we're talking about transformation. And uh, we both have a personal journey of trans- personal transformation. And so each reflect that a little bit. The message is called My Transformed Life is a Stronger Life. So we're in a series called Stronger. Uh, working our way through 1 Peter. Uh, the first three weeks in 1 Peter, we focus on getting stronger in our relationships. If you remember that, before Easter. Uh, now we're doing three weeks on stronger in who I am. Because the other theme in Peter is uh, he sets a foundation of our beliefs. And in today's society, where everything seems so fluid and Believe what you like. What's happened is that people don't believe anything much at all. They're not quite sure what it is they're meant to believe. Uh, And people are looking for something to believe in. They're looking for some certainty. And so that's what we can do. But we can only do that if we're certain of what it is we believe. And that's why we're going to spend three weeks uh, looking at uh, some of the foundations uh, steered a little bit by 1 Peter. So... Some of the topics we look at won't sound like they're core and central. Like next week, we'll be looking at the topic of suffering. But it is a core theological uh, position that Peter has all the way through 1 Peter. It's probably the most overwhelming um, theme that comes out of 1 Peter. So it would be crazy for us to ignore that. Uh, And today we're looking at the topic of transformation, the core principle behind this is a disciple is one who's committed to a process of ongoing transformation. So as a disciple of Christ, you and I commit ourselves to a process of constant growth uh, because that's uh, what we need to be doing. It's what Jesus wants us to do. And um, today we're going to look at something I believe is the most motivating factor for growth and will transform you more than any other concept in scripture we could look at. Uh, So let's just dive into it here in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are chosen. You are royal. You are God's favorite. You're of extreme value to him. The truth of that has always been so, but Peter is trying to remind us and say to us, let's keep this in focus. Let's restore it as a value that you are priceless to God. 
It's always been so. Matthew 10 tells us Jesus talks about um, uh, the fact he compares us to the lilies in the field and the, it's cute, isn't it? And the birds in the air. He says, how much more value are you to any of these things? You are way more valuable than those things. He will take care of you. And then in Jeremiah 1, 5, Ephesians 1, 4, and Romans 8, 29, he talks about the fact that he thought of you even before the foundation of the earth. Even before God had begun to architect planet earth, he'd begun to dream up you. Even before he had started to put stars into space and say, let there be light, he had already thought about you. You are that unique. You're that amazing in his eyes. And the reason this is so important, I'm going to be pumping this all the way through this message, which is why you're going to feel so good about yourself by the end of it. But the reason it's important is because I want to tell you how you normally often will think, if you're anything like me, some of the thoughts you may have is, I'm not as important as others. I'm not as good looking as others. I I hardly ever have that thought, but just examples. I am not as blank as others, as fill in your own there, fill in your own, I am not as beep as others. There is something wrong with me because they are more successful at such and such. And so we compare ourselves with each other, and in today's society we seem to do that more than ever before. We seem to set up these comparisons and, uh, and we have these thoughts that compare ourselves with others. And every time we do, inevitably, it devalues our sense of self-worth. Unless you choose carefully who you compare yourself with. And that's also dangerous. So what you tend to then do is compare yourself with people you think aren't as good as you to make you feel better. But all the time what we're doing is getting our self-worth from things that will crumble one day. Or we'll have thoughts like this. God is angry with me. I've done bleep bleep, so I deserve this. So I punish myself because of it. Or it is humble to think less of myself. Someone once said that humility is is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So you're not more humble by thinking, thinking less of yourself. In fact, that is a form of pride because you're saying that I don't need God, don't recognize God in my world, I am nothing. That is not humble. That is a form of pride. That's a form of self-reliance. And, uh, and that needs, we need to turn from that as much as the arrogant person needs to escape their trap. Or we think it is godly to not have too much money, the poverty trap. Or it is normal to feel guilty or shameful, or shameful or unworthy. That's how I should normally feel. These are mindsets that we develop because we misunderstand God. Or we get ourselves trapped in our minds because of cultural norms or family norms. I must do this because my culture expects it of me. Or I must do this because my family expects it of me. Now, I'm not encouraging anyone to run from the expectations of your family. But I am saying we should be careful not to get trapped in our thinking that we have to do something in a certain way because mum says we should. Or our culture says, unless you're, unless you're a minor here today, then you do it because your mum says you do it. Right. Um, or our culture expects it of us. 
one of the battles we faced when we first moved here was the shocking amount of people who would skip church for a birthday party. Because in the Netherlands, uh, birthdays is, is, is next to godliness. Uh, a birthday party is next. And I'm, we, we spent so long pulling down that cultural norm. But that's culture. I know it's culture. But you're getting trapped in your thinking. You're putting a birthday party before your honor of God. There are other ways to, to do it than to sacrifice a Sunday morning for a 26th birthday party or something. Now, you know, there are exceptions and they're hard to escape when someone turns 50. That's special. Mine next year, by the way. So if you don't see me in church next July, you know why. I'm throwing a party on a Sunday morning. Ah, there's a thought. I could throw it here and and invite everyone to my 50th. Looking forward to already. (laughs) And so we have these mindsets. Anybody have a mindset that recognizes even just a small fraction of what I'm talking about, please? These are mindsets I've grown up with. These are mindsets we've probably all been, uh, had infiltrate. And that's why we have nights like Friday night, night of freedom, because we all carry these tracks of thinking until someone comes into it and goes, I'm interrupting it right there. Stop. Let's change track. Let's take the train off this track and put it on another one and go in a different direction. That's what Friday night aims to do. That's what Beautiful Minds aims to do as a, as a concept, but also in our conference in June. We try to go, okay, your mind may think like this now, but it could think like this. It could be even more beautiful than it already is because you all have beautiful minds already. And so uh, Peter is trying to remind us who we are and our true value, our true worth. So the question isn't simply how much am I worth, but the better question or the bigger question is do I understand how much I am worth? Because your value is set, as we said, before the beginning of time. That's a fact. You are priceless. You are chosen. That's not the point. The point is do you understand how valuable you are? Because you will always live out of your belief system. God can believe anything he likes about you, but if you don't share the same belief, you're going to live on a different track. So we should ask ourselves, do I understand that I am made in the image of God? There is no other creature on earth made in God's image but you. There's no other animal on earth made in God's image except you. You are unique. You are chosen. That means you're hand-made. You're hand-picked by God. As Pastor Phil puts it, God didn't have one of you. He wanted one of you, so he made one of you. He didn't go, oh, Shirley's good. That's beautiful. We'll just make a mold out of her and make everyone like Shirley. Now, that wouldn't be a bad thing, unless you're a guy, and then you'd be a little disappointed about the mold you came out of. But, but he, he wasn't satisfied with that. He said, I want every one of you unique. Every one of you distinctive. I need you short and tall and, and, and smart and less smart and, and all sorts of shapes and sizes and... He wanted you. He wanted you because you're unique and handcrafted out of his imagination, his creativity, his creative process. He birthed you. He thought about you. He chose you. He says, you were chosen. And then he says, you were royal. That is, you're a king. You're on top. You sit on a throne. You're not underneath begging to stay on top. You're not in a defeated mindset. You're in a victorious mindset. You're a king or a queen. You're royal. You're a priest. 
That is, you minister to or for God. Basically, he's saying, I trust you. You're part of the team. You're on the team. You, you and me, we're, we're doing this together. He's including you. What an honor for God to include us in his great scheme of blessing planet Earth. And then he says, you're holy. And we would rightly so go, but I'm not. Look at all these faults. But he goes, I, I recognize you're not. But I'm saying you're holy. Because what Christ, what my son has done for you, makes you holy in my sight. And that's the point. We've got to get off our page and onto the mind of Christ about who we are. We're holy. We're a nation. That is, we're a community. We're part of the family. We're a tribe. We belong here. You belong here. You're not a misfit or an outcast. You're an incast. You fit. You fit in, Nico. You fit here. You belong here. You're part of the community. You're part of the tribe. You're a special, you're his special possession. You're a special possession. My goodness. What a thought that your value is set by who owns you. No, your perception of your value is set by who owns you. And that's why we've got to be careful not to give ourselves away to anything else. Because when you give yourself away to something else, your perception of your value gets shaped by that thing. And that could be something as precious as your spouse. If your spouse becomes more important to you than God, your sense of your value and your worth will now come from her or him more than from God. But you're owned by him. What you're owned by sets your sense of value. I own this jacket. This jacket doesn't set my sense of value. I set its sense of value. I bought this at H&M in the sales. When I got to the desk of the cashier to pay, the system told her that it was reduced even further. I paid about 15 euros for this jacket. Now, you did not know that. You thought this is Pastor Steve's jacket because Pastor Steve's wearing it. He probably got it in a buying corp and it's a, he wouldn't have spent less than 100 euros on it. It's probably a really, really valuable jacket. Why would you think like that? You would think like that because of who's wearing it. You place value on something by its ownership. God owns you. Your sense of value is set by Him, not by anything else. Which is why he goes on to say in verse 9, he says, that you may declare the praises of Him. Why do we need to understand our worth? So that we would declare His praises. Why? Because what we worship determines what we believe our worth is. Let me say that again. What we worship determines what we believe our worth is. So if we begin to worship what is created rather than the creator, we become like the created thing. Let me explain. If we value or if we set our value by uh, our relationships or if we set our value by our work, if we set our value, in fact, by anything created that is not the creator, our sense of value will start to come from that thing and not from the Creator, which is why it's important. He says, that's you. Your purpose is to worship Him because as you worship Him, your sense of worth will come from Him and not these other things. Your value needs to come from Him. So the question isn't simply, do I understand how much I am worth, but what gives me 
the most worth? What gives me, let's think about it for a minute. Where do you get your worth from? What gives you your most worth? Does it come from your work, therefore your sense of performance, therefore the concept that you were chosen and valuable before the beginning of time no longer has any influence because you're believing that what you do now matters. My performance now matters. Or as the Chainsmokers put it in their recent song, how many likes is my life worth? How many likes is my life worth? Our measures of our self-worth have gone out of control. We post a, and five minutes later, we're checking how many likes we've got as if that's determining what our worth is. And you go, well, I've only got 30 likes. Justin Bieber has got a million likes. Therefore, he must be more valuable than me. I've got news for you. There's not one more like that you will ever get that is going to add anything to your value because it was set before the foundation of the world. So there's not one more aspect or gram of performance that you could add that's going to change anything of your worth in God's sight. You are already highly valuable. Where do you get your worth from? Evolution, maybe. How does evolution value us? Well, it says you came from the goo to the zoo, that is from the amoeba in the pond to the monkey in the zoo. So you look back and go, well, I came from the monkey. So what is evolution's value of you? Nothing. Evolution, if you believe in evolution, would say that human beings are valued at nothing. We are mere animals. We are not different or unique. We're not made in the image of God. We're nothing. So that's the evolution's value of you. Hinduism, let's take Hinduism. What would Hinduism say in karma? You reap what you sow. So today's life is just merely a reflection of what I did in a former life. And what I'm trying to do today is perform better so my next life will be better so that I could attain to becoming a cow. If I'm a cow, I will be worshipped and, uh, and honored and my life will be left alone. You think I'm joking. I'm serious. What is Hinduism's reflection on humanity? That we are valued as nothing. I'm not having a go at religion per se. Let's talk about Christianity. What have we done? We've said our value is set on whether I can please God enough or not. Our value is set on have I done enough for God today? Have I prayed long enough? Have I earned his favor? So we often do the same as well. We overlay the truth with a version of the truth which is no better than a lie and we build our worth, our self-esteem on it, our value based on it, and it crumbles who we really are. And that's why we sit here as broken people, because we've let those lies get into our thinking. So the question isn't just, do I understand what I'm worth? The question is, where is my worth coming from? Am I taking too much of my value from how other people see me? Am I taking too much value from, therefore, what is it we worship? Alcohol will happily sell you the lie that it will improve your self-worth. Sex will happily sell you the lie that it will improve your self-worth. Your work will sell you the lie that it will improve your self-worth. But none of these things can add anything to the value that God says you have in Him. And so I want to close here today with two things that have helped me. So this is not textbook. This is, this is genuinely two things that I've done that have helped me because I didn't just make up that list at the start of, of mindsets people have. Two-thirds of those were mindsets I had. These were things that I personally 
had to fight with and fight over and battle with. And so I applied two basic principles that have transformed my life and I know will transform your life because they're basic foundational biblical principles. And the first is this. You're transformed by the renewing of your thinking. Sounds pretty basic, but bear with me. Basic's good. You'll remember it. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12.1 says that. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does renewing mean or to meditate on? It means to think about it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Over and over. Chew it on it. Chew it on it. You, you will go in the direction of your predominant thoughts. What you think about yourself will be the sum of the predominant way in which you think. So if I can change that, if I can bring that under control, I could change the course of my life. That's the power of your thinking. So what did I do in my 20s when I had this fight? I'm not saying the fight's fully over, but this was a journey in my life at the worst point in my life in my 20s where I knew I had to do something about the way I was thinking because the way I was thinking was damaging me. And so I was sitting in church uh, one day and hearing a preacher preach from Psalm 139, uh, which is probably one of the greatest psalms you could read if you need to get a hold of how you should think about yourself. David is talking about the fact that you were formed by the hand of God in your mother's womb, that he had already thought about you since the beginning of time, that he's got plans for you, that he's already seen where your life could go and how wonderful that is. He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And then the message came to this crescendo and I've never forgotten it where, where um, Paul was his name, the person preaching, goes, he goes, um, and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And this line just kept going through my head, fearfully, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Because I didn't feel it, you see. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I got a hold of that uh, cassette tape and I put it in the car every day for, for a few weeks going back and forth from my workplace, which took, was about a 40-minute drive, which is just long enough to hear the whole message going there and the whole message coming back. And I did that every day for a season, just heard it over and over again. And I kept, I kept, I took a hold of my mind and I kept saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm so loved. I'm so accepted. God, you did a great thing when you made me. I, I am absolutely unique. There's no one like me. I am, I am a, a form of your creation. You handcrafted me. I am forgiven and accepted. I am pleasing in your sight. And I just let this go over and over and over my mind until I knew something had clicked. I got to the point where I'd walk into my company, into my office, go, my goodness, you guys are so lucky having me walking into this place today. I mean, I, this is literal. I'm telling, I'm not, no lie. This is exactly what I'd say to myself. You guys, you're so fortunate. Because it's not just me walking into this place. The presence of God is walking into this place today. I used to drive past near where we lived. There was this big totem pole, this, in, this sort of big, sort of horrible construction, like an idol. And I'd, I'd drive past there and you're going to come down. Because <laughs> the presence of God is here. There's a scripture that says, goodness and mercy follows me. I'd drive along going, goodness back there and mercy back there. 
It's like the threesome, Steve Warren, goodness and mercy. It's like Steve Warren and, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were undefeatable. A few weeks later, that thing had been cut down. I'm like, come on. Demons will flee. Idols will fall. Everything in the presence of the power and the Spirit of God. By the renewal of your thinking. Ephesians 4 says, Pastor Lisby quoted it just now. She said, you're changed. Uh, We need to be changed in the attitude. Or some translations say the spirit of our mind. The atmosphere of our mind. You, You can control your life by changing the climate control in your thinking. Just change the climate control. If it's getting too cold or too hot, if you want to compare it to hell. If my mind is like got the fire of hell in it, it's all full of defeat and anger, you can change it. Change the climate control. Change the temperature. Bring it down a little. Bring it under the governance of Jesus Christ. And so I went through a process and it began to transform me step by step. And to this day, I still do it. One of the things I regularly will do is allow the word to change how I think. I, I deliberately say to myself, I am, I'm a disciple, therefore I have to be in constant and permanent growth. I have to let this challenge me. I can't afford to read what I've read a hundred times before and, and feel like I already know it. It's dangerous to sit in church and go, I've heard a message like this before. Because you could miss the life-changing moment you need today by going, oh, yeah, I know. I'm valuable and I'm worthy and God loves me and I know all that. But how you're doing on it is really the question. And so I had to do the second thing, transformed by the way I thought. But I then had to be transformed by the renewing of my living. Now, this is, could sound contradictory, so I'm going to take two minutes just to explain it. Because what I'm not saying is the way you live will determine your value. Because I've already told you it doesn't. Like I could take, I could take this 10 euro note, and you know it has the value of 10 euros. You know you could take this into any H&M store and buy a jacket with it. In the sales. In the super sales. It, this, will, this, will be, this can be exchanged for goods of equivalent value. But if I, was to, if I was to damage it right now a little bit, screw it up and, and stamp on it and abuse this thing, and kick it, Very well controlled. Very di- He's on the board. He nearly he nearly got that into the he nearly got that into the offering right there. Now, what value does this have? You kidding? Still ten euros? Now, if I went into H and M and tried buying a jacket with it, they would they accept it? They might make a comment about it, like it's a little crinkle, what have you been doing with it? That would be an awesome thing if they asked that, because I'd go, have you got 30 minutes? I'd be like, how's your self-esteem doing today? (laughs) Let's talk. 
it's still worth 10 euros. You may feel like your life's a little damaged in places. It's still worth the same. In God's sight, it's still worth the same. So what I'm about to say has got nothing to do with you earning your value. But if we continue to behave the way we've behaved in the past, our sense of how we feel about ourselves will not change. You devalue yourself as a human being by doing certain things. If you want to be a butterfly, you've got to let go of the caterpillar by going through the process and the cocoon of transformation. You don't see many butterflies flying around dragging their caterpillar with them. It's probably biologically incorrect. Sometimes you have to change the way you speak. Some of the things you do. I can tell myself and renew my mind, yes, I am, my value is based on God, but if I keep going out every night and getting drunk, what am I doing? I'm devaluing my humanity. Because the only one who finds it funny is you. No one else is laughing, they're disrespecting you. You're devaluing yourself. Honor your humanity. Honor your God-given person by choosing to do certain things and not other things. Because as you change the way you live, you will change your perception of your value. So one of the things I had to change was the way I spoke. I used to say certain things to attract negative attention. Because sometimes when you're trying to grasp after your self-esteem, you will do something to to attract some attention, even if it's bad attention, but you don't realize that's what you're doing. You just think you're getting attention, and that's helping you feel better about yourself. But it's not. No one's respecting you for it because you're annoying them with what you're saying. And so I realized this one day and had to stop doing it. I had to change the way I spoke. I had to speak better of myself. I had to do certain things, even dress in a certain way that said, I respect who I am. I love who I am. And the two can't be separated. I I started to be different because of the first point, changed my mind. So some of it's connected, but there were things I did deliberately, actively, because I knew it would reinforce a value I knew God saw of me. Because what comes out will be what you've put in. Garbage in, garbage out. My sister-in-law last week put petrol in her diesel engine. (laughs) So we all get shocked at that, right? You all went, woo! When was the last time you went, ooh, when you started pouring into your life something that wouldn't make your engine work so well? But you happily do it. Some of you every day of your life. Happily pouring petrol into your diesel engine. You're pouring humanity into your God-shaped engine. And it's not meant to work like that. Can we close our eyes? Your value is immense here today. It always has been and it always will be. This message can't change how much you're worth. Before you came into church this morning, you were still worth more than the world could pay for you. God doesn't even put you on a set of scales to measure you and your value against even the earth itself because you're priceless. There's nothing he can put you on a scale with to compare you to. 
You are so valuable. And so my question for every one of us today, as we're in this moment considering what it means to be sure of what we believe, my question is, would we commit as disciples to be in constant growth? Would we commit to personal growth? Would we commit ourselves to a life of regular transformation? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If you're saying, today, I am deciding that the rest of my life will be a commitment to my growth, a commitment to my transformation. Wonderful. Beautiful. My hand's going up too. I'm, this is me. I, I, I want my life every day to be one that says, God, I commit. I commit myself to being changed, transformed. If there's an area of my thinking that needs to change, illuminate it so we could work on it. If there's an area of my heart that needs to shift, illuminate it so we can work on it. God's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be a constant work in progress. The worst is that we just stay as we are. He loves a work in progress. He just finds it hard to work with us when we just are so stubborn that we want to stay as we are. But when we say, I want to change, it's amazing what God can do. So Lord, I pray for every one of us. We give you our hearts and our lives today. May you keep changing us and transforming us. I pray this message would shift the way we think, transform the way we think. That we're chosen, we're your special possession. Been handpicked by you, unique in every way. And everything that says the opposite to that, we'd say today, you will begin to shift out of our lives. We will begin to shift those thoughts in favor of what God thinks of us. And right now, if you're here today and you've not fully surrendered to Jesus, you've not fully given over to His way, I want to pray for you right now. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you've never asked Him into your life or Maybe you have, but you need to come back to him today or you just need to be sure you're going to heaven. And if that's you, I want to pray for you right now. So just while every eye is closed, if that's you, maybe you could just give me a, a wave or raise your hand or just indicate to me right now, I'm talking to you. You say, I'm talking to, you're talking to me. That's me. I'm choosing today not to give myself over to created things and other stimulus and all that stuff I'm giving myself to Jesus Christ thank you Lord beautiful wonderful I'm just going to wait just one more moment if that's you I want to pray for you right now thank you who else is there? You know I'm talking to you. I don't need to make it much clearer because you just know inside of yourself, this is me. If that's you, I want you to 
Make that brave decision today. Say, yes, it's Jesus I'm going to live for. There's maybe one more person here. Okay, can we all say this prayer together? I'll say it. I want you to repeat after me. Say this together. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. Today I give you my heart. Come and live in me. I thank you that you saved me. You make me brand new. And I am a new creation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray for every one of these people. They would know that they are new. That you have taken the old and given them the new. That they have been recreated in Christ. And I thank you for all of us, Jesus, that you say over us that we are fearfully and wonderfully and uniquely made. And if you're happy about that, I want you to stand to your feet, clap your hands, and rejoice here with me today that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're chosen, you're unique, handcrafted by God. Don't forget it. Bedankt voor het luisteren naar onze podcast. We zien je graag terug in een van onze diensten. Kijk op onze website voor tijden en locaties.